Welcome to the Gifters Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Online Program, which teaches you how to turn your story into a successful speaking and online coaching business. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Our guest today is Christine McKay. She's a global negotiation strategist, international speaker, and author. Christine, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I really appreciate it. So let's just first start because I always talk to our guests prior to the podcast and you said something that was so profound where it's again, simple, but it's profound and it leads into what you are and who you are as a person where you said something about how the beauty is not as obvious for some people. Can you just elaborate on that? Because I really want our listeners to learn from you about that statement. Sure. I'm from a tiny town in North Central Montana, which is on the plains part of the state. And mostly when people think of Montana, they think of mountains and Glacier National Park and Yellowstone National Park and, and just this all very obvious beauty kind of thing. But where I grew up, it's not so obvious. The beauty is not so obvious. And so I, I always talk about how you, I had to work for it. Where I grew up, you have to be really observant. And it's not a beauty that, that everybody recognizes very readily because because you have to work for it. It's just not, it's not obvious to everybody. Yeah, and now what you do as a living, talking about not obvious, seeing those nuances in terms of negotiation, how did you get into that world and how do you feel that that awareness of those nuances helped you become a negotiation expert? So I got into negotiation after I graduated from undergrad and started working for what was then Bell Atlantic, now it's Verizon, and doing international mergers and acquisitions in Eastern and Western Europe and Southeast Asia. And I just fell in love with the negotiation aspect when we were negotiating deals with you know, different phone companies, even, even the ministers of finance and ministers of telecommunication. And a mentor once told me that no matter what, because when I worked, I used to work at Deloitte Consulting and I would get, I'm not a huge project manager person, but um, he, and he, I was getting staffed on a project management role. And he said, you know, Christine, he said, somebody will always, you will always find a way to do the things that you love to do most, even on a project that's not written like your best project. And, and he was right. And it, and it, what for me it was, was always bringing negotiation. I always found a way to bring negotiation into the project with the client. And so until I decided I wanted to start a business of my own and, and help and work with small, small business owners and help them become more, even more successful in their negotiation um, and help them level the playing field in what they do. That's fascinating, Christine. I am always fascinated by the, the root story. So for instance, when people ask me about my life, I mean, literally, I know why I'm an entrepreneur and a speaker, meaning my voice was silenced by my teachers telling me to shut up. I had a reading disability. I was super short. I had, you know, immigrant family, grew up, like I had a lot of restriction and a lot of people telling me what to do and to tell me to shut up. <laughs> so yeah. I know why I want to share my voice because I know how powerful it is. But now I also know why I want to encourage other people to share their voice. So for you, the fact that you're this expert in negotiation, did you have any childhood memories that really allowed you to be who you are now? Because I'm always curious about the, you know, the why, because I want our listeners to really glean from you. You've had some challenging experiences, but I want them to be inspired by your story. So when I was growing up, my, my dad was a ranch hand and my mom was the ranch cook. And it always felt 
as if value was placed on a person only if they owned property where I grew up. And we did not own property. So we had very little voice. And my brother and I were ex extremely bullied and I, brutally so, physically, emotionally. Um, and it was not a very fun place for, for us to be. But I always found a way when there were things that I thought were unjust, I always found a way of negotiating them to work in my favor. So everything from, we had a teacher who was not behaving appropriately in class and I was like, well, either he changes his behavior or I'm gonna create a coalition and we'll do something about that. And then I wanted to study a business course um, keeping in mind that we had very limited classes where I grew up. So this business course was meant for kids who were not going on to college and I had planned to go to college. So I, they weren't going to let me take it. And I was like, well, I kind of need to know how to balance my checkbook. So I came up with this, this logic and rationale for why I needed to be able to take this class. And they allowed me ultimately to take it. And I just always found a way when there was something that I didn't think was right that I would negotiate around it and figure out a way to negotiate it and get it to where I thought it should be. And so I always had that, but it was really after I had to go through a major kind of renegotiation with myself after I had become pregnant at the age of 19 and was living in the back of my car and married a not, not, not so nice guy after that and had three more kids. I had three kids at the age of 22. Um, and was on welfare and I decided I wanted a different life and I had to renegotiate one. I had to completely reinvent myself to go from just complete poverty um, with three little kids under the age of three um, to you know, ultimately graduating from Harvard Business School. And it was that that really kind of solidified all of the things that have really defined who I am as a negotiator, both from seeing nuances of things like I did when I was growing up in, a, in, a, in an environment, physical environment that people wouldn't necessarily think was beautiful, but I found, I find to be of great beauty because of the nuances in it to all the things I've experienced across the spectrum from being, you know, living in the back of my 1972 Chrysler to working with CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. And many of them, by the way, you literally negotiated with 67 of the Fortune 100 companies, yes. you're an international speaker, published author, and former adjunct professor. And I want our just listeners to, to hopefully breathe in what you're saying and, and take in what you just said, because first of all, thank you for sharing your vulnerability, thank you for sharing the story, but also hopefully they see themselves in your story, meaning no one grows up perfect. Even the ones you think are perfect don't grow up perfect, but you're a great person to hopefully model christine for our listeners to really say that look it doesn't matter where you came from but if you are in a place like the u.s or in a western world where there are certain freedoms that we all have then please do your best to step up your game listen to christine learn from her and grow like her because we really have this gift to share and thank you for sharing that because you have just a, a unique and multi um faceted life. Now, going back to negotiation, most of our listeners are business owners. They want to scale the businesses with different clients. What are specific things you could share with them to understand negotiation and help us to connect with their clients? Well, there are kind of three big things that you have to pay attention to in negotiation. And the first one is the most important. You have to know what you want 
in a negotiation and people often go into negotiation unprepared. And by knowing what you want, you need to know what it is, you need to know why you want it, and you need to know how important it is. Because if you cannot articulate to a counterpart what you want, why you want it, and then establish the priorities of it to determine what your trade-offs are gonna be, then your counterpart, if they're more prepared than you, will be able to, to win in that negotiation. But you also have to think about what it is that you want in relationship to your counterpart. Because I often say that a negotiation is based off of hope, right? We go into a situation where we are hoping that a relationship can yield mutual benefit. And so if when you once you identify what it is you want, you have to think about what that impact is going to be on the counterpart so that you can figure out if it makes sense, if it's doable, and you know, and then also kind of prepare for kind of the, the whole negotiation effort. The second big thing is you have to know how you're going to ask. Um, and asking is the number one thing that especially smaller business owners have a real struggle in doing. Um, we get into this mindset that, you know, we people become afraid of asking for what they want. And especially, so I was talking to a venture capitalist last week and he was talking about this in terms of women and minorities relative to kind of men in general will go in and ask for you know far more than what they need in terms of money whereas a lot of women and certain minority categories will go in and ask for less than what they even need and so kind of figuring out how you're going to ask understanding kind of the your your negotiation style how you communicate and coupling that with the what you're asking for becomes hugely important and then you need to know you need to make sure you're getting what your counterpart said they were going to give to you and you need to make sure you're giving what you said you were going to give to your counterpart and that comes down to contracts and contracts can be informal by a handshake written on the back of a napkin or they can be formal documents that an attorney has written up but they're really they're really based on risk mitigation and they they are based off of hope the hope of a future long-term mutual benefit and so people understand what they want how they're going to ask for it and then make sure that they get it um, and that they're giving what they said they were going to give then that makes puts them in a much stronger position um, throughout the negotiation process and sets them up for longer term or long-term relationships Christine, I love how you talk about hope in negotiation because ultimately, if we think of that win-win mentality, then it's a great way to have a, that perspective. So thank you so much for being on our show. How can our guests connect with you, stay in touch with you, and learn from you? Yeah, so I have a gift for everyone on the show. So if you text VENZONE, V-E-N-N-Z-O-N-E, -N -N -E, to 26786, um, or go to vennegotiation.com. You can uh, sign up for uh, a free renegotiate that masterclass where we talk about renegotiation, especially right now during the pandemic. A lot of companies are needing to renegotiate uh, supply chain with their landlords, et cetera. And we talk about what renegotiation is and how to approach it. You'll also get seven uh, our seven essential um, elements for successful negotiation and be able to take a quiz to learn your default negotiation style. That's awesome, Christine. Thank you so much for being on our show. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Gifters Podcast. 
If you want to learn how to turn your story into a successful speaking and online coaching business, go to ChristopherKai.com to learn more.